Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So this is a special episode of the Book Riot Podcast, which is a news and weekly talk show about what's new, cool, and we're talking about in the world of books and reading. And this is sort of that. It's like not, not new and cool for this week, but... We normally and will do, and coming soon, will be our regular two-part holiday recommendation show. And I guess if you're listening to this on Thursday, you still could get, by the strike of midnight, new (laughs) recommendation requests in for the night of the 17th. But today we're doing, I'm thinking of the RST LNE of holiday recommendations for new books that came out this year, where we're going to pick some that are kind of good maybe not general purpose for anyone, Rebecca, but mm-hmm. the different part of the Swiss Army knife does different things. How about that? And we're, you know, this, we got the little corkscrew on yes. here. We got the little scissors, we got the nail file. And, you know, they're not, they're not perfect of themselves, but you're trying to get something that generally will work um, in a couple different categories. We're just kind of thinking of books that would be good gifts for different kinds of readers. We're going to each pick five, which means we'll talk about probably 10 each because we'll smuggle some other ones in there and, and, you know, get piggyback, piggyback some in there. But Rebecca, it's, this, is a, this is a little bit different than our holiday rec show in this regard, which is we don't, we're not responding to specific requests and we're keeping it to 2022 titles. I don't know why we're doing this. Maybe it's just for fun to, to, to kind of highlight the year in reading to some degree. Yeah, um, it is just for fun. We needed to do an extra holiday-themed episode yes. in the feed this year for advertiser demand issues, which we are happy to have. And as I was thinking yes. about, okay, well, we already do custom personalized recommendations on our show. We also then will do an episode later in the year about our favorite books of 2022. Um, we might even do you know some other stuff. We do like Best of the Rest, which is all the stuff that we liked this year that wasn't books. And so then I just started thinking like, well, what else haven't we hit? And it was that sort of general purpose, not one book to rule them all, but just good (laughs) books that came out this year that you need to give a book to somebody. What is, and you know a little bit about that person, at least. It's not like the the broad Swiss army that we talk about where you can buy this and give it to almost anybody. It is, I like your comparison there of like, actually, this is like, this is the corkscrew here. This is the little knife. There's a couple different kinds of readers that you might be trying to buy for. And these are, I think, going to be safe and likely successful selections for most people that you might be buying a book for this year. Yeah. So I got a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. I got a, I got a few different things. And I kind of have an ideal reader in mind for a lot of these. And then that I think I'm generalizing out to this is a kind of reader or a kind of interest. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how you're going. We haven't discussed our picks ahead of time. We do not have the same ideal readers in mind at all. So we're going to be just badmintoning back and forth <laughs> as we go. Um, where do you want to start? How would mm. you like to begin? Where would I like to start? Do you have think, a number one overall draft pick? Is there a gift book of the year? Oh, hmm. I don't have a gift book of the year. No. Do you? I put put well. I was trying to think. Put another way, what book will be under more the most trees? If that makes sense, what will be gifted oh. the most? 
having a hard time. Was was it Brene Brown new this year? I didn't actually um, look at this for myself. That was, was that Atlas think, of the Heart? Was that last year? I think Atlas of the Heart was last year. Okay. Um, the new Michelle Obama book came out today. That's an interesting contender. For I had that as one of my possibilities for today. The new Michelle Obama, The Light mm-hmm. We Carry. I think that yeah. might be under a lot of trees. Certainly Becoming was under a lot of trees and given for as yeah. a lot of you know Hanukkah gifts and other winter mm-hmm. holidays that folks are celebrating. I don't know. There hasn't been like, it, other other than like Colleen Hoover, there has not been like a big novel of yeah. the year that folks are, that, that everybody's talking about and that's like widely appealing. Um, it's not like the year of, I don't also, know, Also, I'm glad my mom died, which is one of the books of the year, is a tough <laughs> gift. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to that right now and I was having that thought of like I can think of people I would give this to but like you can only yeah. give that to somebody when like you know what they've talked about in therapy right yeah maybe give it to your sister <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Dep- yeah, your mileage may vary that may, the all-time like, great your mileage may vary title. You, just, you just subtly face that out on your bookshelf right before mm-hmm. your parents come for the holidays that's a yeah. tough one. That's a tough hey. I think one of the other books of the year, and we're going to do, a, I think, a Patreon episode. Is that a Patreon that we have on the docket for books of the year, or is that a regular episode? Do you know if it's Oh, uh, we're doing, yeah, that'll be a Patreon episode about what, yeah. were the, what were the books of 2022. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But to tip my hand a little bit, I think Babel is one of those, but I'm not sure it's a great gift book for reasons I'll talk mm-hmm. about. It's a big ask. Um, yeah. So that's another one. Okay. So putting on, I agree. I don't, maybe the Michelle Obama outside of that, are people gifting each other Colleen Hoover's? I guess they must be. Bayesian Pryor, is that the books people are buying the most? Yeah, I would um, assume so. It's kind of surprising to me that there are still people in the world who want to read the Colleen Hoover but have not read it yet. But we saw that arc happen <laughs> with Crawdads. Yeah, it it so happens. I man. would assume, and she's got so many titles that I assume right. a lot of Colleen Hoover books are going to be given as books, as right. gifts this year, even yeah, if it's not, you know, the, the big titles. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll start with the one that I can imagine giving to the most people on my Great. list. There, and, that's a good way of thinking about it. I like that. Yeah, and I think it's extensible um, for probably folks listening to this show and our general demographic varieties. I think The mm. 90s by Chuck Klosterman. It's on my list, too. Yeah, it's, you know, popular history with a kind of philosophy bent about stuff that if you are a mid to elder millennial or older, you lived through and have some memory of but like i was i don't know eight years old ish when ross perot was running for president and i had no real sense of actually how disruptive that was really what it meant in culture chuck Klosterman contextualizing that for me in his particular (laughs) way was really interesting along with all of the other stuff that he talks about and i think it's one of those you know it's it's a fun thing to read about. We have a lot of nostalgia culturally for the 90s in this moment right now, you know, 30 years out from it. 
And I, I see a lot of that, at least in my demographic, my group of friends, I can imagine giving this to like some folks a little bit older than me who would have had a deeper memory and experience of the stuff that happened in the 90s. It feels like it's pretty widely applicable. It's very, it's pretty safe. Closterman is interesting, but not like soup. It's not really political. It's not super challenging. Like you can tell where he's coming from. There's a real perspective to it. But there's not a lot of, I don't know, argumentation happening there. There's not, I don't think, a, a lot that too many people would object to, or uh, even if you have some pieces you object to, on the whole, it's like, here, look at what happened 30 years ago, and let's understand it now that we have some distance. And it's just a really fun read. He's a great writer. It was super fun. He's so. a great writer. It's also wonderful on audio. Mm-hmm. He's a great narrator. Um, he sounds like Chuck Klosterman. If you've never heard him, I'd be curious if if people have, have listened to it, have listened to it or haven't would even just try this sample to see. Audiobooks are hard to gift. I don't know what That's I mean. True. You know, there's not a you can wrap something up, I guess, if you want to do that. But also, just something to know. Weirdly, uh, the good the good choice. Good Choice Reads Award. That's not anything. That's Good just Reads Choice in, Awards. <laughs> yes. The long list came out yesterday, and I was perusing it. And the '90s appears under humor, which is weird. <laughs> that is weird. Would you, I? I would say it's wry more than it's funny, but and it's, and it's a nonfiction a, book. Well, a lot of humor is nonfiction, well, but they're yeah, like essays, but, I right? Guess. It's, I thought that was strange. I That's think it's more—it's not academic, but Closterman leans closer to academic than to humor. And I think I would have just put it in like general nonfiction or well, history like, or whatever. It's like they're... more cultural criticism. Yeah, right? the, yeah. the nonfiction categories on the Goodreads Choice Awards leave something to be desired because this nonfiction. Is true. There's more fiction categories than nonfiction. And let's just, I'll say this, BookRite itself can be guilty of this in our bespoke products. We have a nonfiction newsletter and a nonfiction podcast. Go check them out if you like that. But <laughs> that's an unruly group to put in. So I don't really know um, where to, my, mine that I think, hmm, I'll stay on nonfiction too. And there might be some cross-contamination. Maybe we'll agree with ourselves for our Holloway recommendation show that we won't recommend titles that we put on this list or at least sure. mention that we already, mm-hmm. they, they cannot be our only pick, let's put it this way. <laughs> But I think in the same vein, if you're a little more philosophically, academically oriented than wanting to know about the 90s, I think How to Be Perfect Mm -hmm. by Michael Schur is a really good Swiss Army gift for someone who wants to have a reading experience that's pleasurable, edutainment to the max, I guess is what I'm going for with How to Be Perfect. And the 90s too. I think How to Be Perfect is more fun than the 90s because of... I agree. He's a comic writer. Weirdly, I would make it would make more sense for me to for How to Be Perfect to be in the humor category than the 90s by Klosterman. Um, if you didn't hear us talk about this before, Michael Schur is the showrunner for A Good Place, also involved in um, Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, was it during COVID or right after COVID? I can't remember. Got interested in in basically moral philosophy, mm-hmm. and go and teaches himself and explores moral philosophy. And it's one he 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 takes several of the the most enduring questions of moral philosophy and then rings them through different schools of thought in this urbane, down to earth, humble yet confident <laughs> alchemy that he does in this book. That's still hard to describe. Infuriatingly perfectly wrought um, for a certain kind of tonality. It's fun. It's wonderful on audio. He gets some of the good place um, actors to come play some different characters or different positionalities that pop up again and again. Just a really fun book. It'd be good for, you've, you've got a college student, you've got someone who's new out in the world, you know, trying to figure out their lives. You've got dads, you've got mom. I mean, all I th- mm-hmm. there's a world in which it hits a lot of quadrants, right? 
Um, so How to Be Perfect, I think, by Michael Shore. I've recommended a bunch myself this year. I think it's probably my most recommended nonfiction pick in my real life, um, I would say. 90s is close, but I think with the thing about How to Be Perfect, I can go a generation up from me mm-hmm. and feel pretty good about this. With the 90s, I'm a little less sure at this point. Um, it's a great so. pick. How to Be Perfect is a really great pick. And he does... The, it's so much harder to be funny about moral yes. philosophy than it is yeah. to be funny about almost anything else. Like just to make a false dichotomy between the 90s and how to be mm-hmm. perfect. A lot of stuff that happened in the 90s is inherently like oh, amusing, right. weird, yes. absurd, uh, looks funny from 30 years later, was kind of funny at the time. Uh, all that angst, you know, and Closerman comments on all of that. But sure is able to take like the biggest questions that we have in life about what does it mean to be a good person? How do you make difficult decisions? And how do you reconcile all of these different frameworks, none of which are perfect themselves, um, in a way that is, it's so accessible, and it's warm, and it's not judgy. I I really loved that about it, that it's like, here, you're going to make some tough calls. And there are like, a billion different ways that you could navigate making those tough calls. Here are some frameworks. BT dubs, none of them are (laughs) are foolproof <laughs> either so yeah. good luck out there like, right it's a you really thought good you pick. know what you do in the, tro- the trolley problem <laughs> but do you yeah it's a, that's a really good pick i was kind of going back and forth on whether or not inciting joy by ross gay which we just rhapsodized about last week <sighs> you know week. i had the same equivocation let's talk about it well I think it's for a similar kind of reader mm. to how to be perfect but it's a subset of those like we're all I think to some degree interested in what does it mean to be a good person how do I make these decisions in my life and Gay's writing is like it's just headier and not in an academic way but it is just headier dude's a poet you know and so like a poet meditating on how to find joy by communing in our sorrow and like building solidarity there is a really big subset of people in my life I would gift this to, but uh-huh. it's a subset of the broader folks I could give the 90s or how to be perfect to. I think you need to know someone to give them inciting yeah. joy, where like, if you found out you needed to, I don't know, buy a book for your hairstylist and you knew a few things about them, you could pick either the 90s or how to be perfect or some of these other ones and go there. But you need to like, I I have, I think, a personal understanding of where a person is sitting in kind of their philosophical approach to life, spiritual practices, maybe even inciting joy walks that line in a way that's hard to give someone that you don't know really well. It is slightly up the intellectual literary ladder mm-hmm. and maybe more than several notches above um but it's still accessible in its own way but you're not going to swiss army wreck it you just i just don't think you can yeah. you're right you have to know if you know a little bit if they are a little more poetical of a soul a little more into the the bittersweetness and complexity of life and wallowing around in that wallows not reveling and wallowing they're different um meaningfully but slightly different shades are important I would. Uh, here's the thing. That's the book I would be most excited to recommend to someone if I felt that was a good recommendation yes. for them. Is that a, is that interesting? What yeah, I think about? that is interesting, and I have felt that way. I got to recommend it to a friend in person last week, and it yes. was exciting. Like he said a thing that I was like, "Oh, 
yeah, you need to read this Ross Gay book. <laughs> and we had a whole moment like at live as it was happening and he was downloading the audiobook while we were talking about it. I was like, this is, it's that really good feeling of like, I just made a spot on book recommendation <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> for, for this person. They're really going to like it. And I think for those like, folks in your life that might in different language be referred to as like seekers or who are looking for like Mm -hmm. some spiritual lens for understanding what they're doing on earth that isn't like uh, you know a meditation practice or yoga or some religious structure or framework but just a a vibe that they can bring to how they think about their life um, inciting joy it would be a great pick. But yeah, it's not, it is not one of the tiny tools on the Swiss Army knife, I don't believe. It's interesting because I don't think, I don't think you can, it, weirdly, it feels like it should be in, you can recommend it to someone who's like, oh, I love Atlas of the Heart, right? That's that's the normie version. Mm-hmm. But you cannot just be like, you liked Atlas of the Heart, you did this. You almost need right. someone who's a little un dissatisfied by Atlas. If you were interested in Atlas the Heart and found it a little dissatisfying, that would be an inciting mm-hmm. joy opening to me, right? Because it <laughs> just does. Right. Yeah. It's just adding a little more um, complexity and flavor. I guess one that is in the category, like there's a category of people that like inspirational, life-affirming books, but this is like a little <laughs> bit of, uh, inciting joy is a little bit of curveball. There's a lot of people that like to give and get books about food mm-hmm. around the holiday time. This one is, again, I don't know that's general purpose, but if you have the right person, Kosher Soul by Michael Twitty, yes. which is Faith and Food Journey of an African-American Jew. This is a wonderful book. He's a cook, but also a poet at heart. This is about the intersection of, uh, it's there in the title. I think this is an awesome book. If you're looking to give a cookbook or, or food book to someone a who's interested in, in intersectionality of any kind, that that's an obvious pick. But I also think you could use this to push someone's boundaries a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to them to say, you know, maybe you don't need the the, the sixth Ina Garten book, you know, maybe five is enough. Um, I think this is a really cool book. And I don't know, I don't think this sold very well, which I think is a damn shame. Mm-hmm. So there's another thing I'm saying. He also wrote The Cooking Gene, which is really good. I tend to like, I don't write, I don't buy cookbooks. Um, and this one, I can't even, I did this on audio, so it's kind of hard to say. Were there a bunch of recipes in this? I don't even remember. Mm. I'll have to flip through it. I don't, I don't remember either. There, I don't think there are a lot. Um, so it's less of a cook. It's it certainly, for me, it's less of a cookbook. I don't care about that myself. Um, so anyway, if someone's interested in food, this is really cool. This is the kind of book I'm so glad to see, and frankly, kind of what I need from a food mm-hmm. narrative, or I'm not narrative, but prose food book. I need a little something I haven't read before, and this is just a wonderful book. I'm so yeah. glad it exists. I have to, I really second the emotion of that pick. That is a great gift selection, and and I second the emotion of why wasn't this book a bigger deal? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was visiting a friend in Vermont and shopping at the wonderful Northshire bookstore in Manchester, and I like it's become my habit on this trip to, at that bookstore with the people that I'm with on at that when I'm doing this trip with those people I go to this bookstore I usually like wander around and I almost always buy stuff from their food section they have a wonderful like pretty big food and food mm-hmm. writing section and I picked up kosher soul I had not heard it was out I'm like I am the target audience for kosher soul oh, by michael twitty yeah <laughs> so I picked it up then and I was so delighted but Yes, read it, buy it, gift it. He should be more famous. It's wonderful. Um, As much as I wish I could put Song of the Cell on this list. I know, right? (laughs) 
can't do you, it. You, you can't, can't do, do it. it. And the big, the big cellular biology book is not broadly giftable. Yeah. But in the sciencey world, I think for the like the nature nerds, the science nerds, an immense world by Ed Yong is yeah. a that's a good pick. It's it is good. Yeah, animal lovers. It's stuff that uh, you know. I think you could either read sections or pull out like good tidbits with your kids. I wouldn't give the book to a kid, mm. um, but it has sort of family crossover or since we're talking about audiobooks a lot here too, a very safe and interesting family it's audiobook audio book. experience, I think. Audiobook. But I, I've got some folks in mind, like if I got a particular brother-in-law in the family gift exchange this year, it would be an immense world for sure for him. I also was trying to think of a science-adjacent fun gift book. Um, and I'm going to go back to The Well because Randall Monroe keeps helping me out in publishing interesting books in this. And What If 2 came out this year, Additional Serious Scientific Answers to Absurd Hypothetical Questions, a sequel to What If. Mm-hmm. I bought this immediately um, and put it on my coffee table. What I've been this is a, This is a hot tip for those of you with kids, um, if this is interesting. What I like to do is buy interesting reference non-fictioning books and then set them just set them out. I love this. And, and they pick them up. Ames and his friend was over there and they just picked up What If 2 and they had a great time reading it together. They didn't really know what it was. The, the, the cover does the thing you need it to do, which is had the dinosaur trying to eat a plane. And that's immediately <laughs> like, what is going on there? And that's the kind of thing. Like, could a T-Rex take down a plane? They're fun. They're smart. They're snackable. Like you can pick it up and read it just for a few minutes and, and flip through it. Um, and I think it's for the the curious, but also the scientifically curious. You've got engineers, architects, um, software developers, anyone that has an especial interest in the way the world works from a science or a practical point of view. This is a lot of fun. Um, so what if two by Randall Monroe is a really fun... It, it just also... I don't know how that we solve for this when we're thinking about books, but sometimes you want to solve for the Christmas morning utility mm-hmm, of something. Mm-hmm. And this is something that people could pick up and like look at together on Christmas morning for a few minutes and read out loud to each other and look at this one. I think that's a lot of fun. I think there's value in that. So there's another piece of it that it can be a communal experience for um, someone as well, even if you have a big family gathering and you're sitting around. or it, It's kind of a nice in-the-moment uh, book to have on hand for a Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa kind of celebration, whatever. You, you might have a gifting um, mm-hmm. situation in your life. So that's What If 2 by Randall Monroe. Yeah. I suspected that was going to be on your list, so I just yeah. didn't put it on mine. <laughs> but super fun. There are kids in my life who are going to get that book this holiday yeah. season, 100%. Um, I want to do a broad this is a really broadly appealing cookbook for somebody who is either just starting off or has a lot of experience and everything in between. King Arthur Baking put out a new cookbook just earlier this fall called Baking School, and it is mm. wonderful. It's a huge kind of omnibus of like, here are here's how to make muffins. Here's how to make breads. Here's how to make pastries. Here's different kinds of cakes. And each section has sort of like the basics that you need to know about those things 
some common technique stuff. Um, so the book does not assume that you know what all the techniques are. It won't be like f- that, you know, episode of Shit's Creek where they're like, fold it in, just fold in the cheese. And they don't know what it means to fold something in. This book explains to you what it is to fold a thing, what it means to like whip something until it has stiff peaks, all that kind of stuff. And the recipes are wonderful. There's like no more reliable source for baking recipes than the King Arthur baking website, in my personal opinion. Uh, And it's a really terrific cookbook that uh, if you've got somebody who loves to bake, they will find new stuff that they haven't tried in here. If you have somebody who's just starting to explore it, it's a really good starter. It's kind of the baking version of the joy of cooking, I think, or it's positioned to be that where you can learn a whole bunch of stuff or pick up your skills and take them to the next level wherever you are. But it's, you know, cookbooks make great gifts, but it's it can be really hard, again, unless you know, like what the person likes to cook and what their skill level is. But I, I would feel pretty good giving baking school from King Arthur Baking to just about anybody. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to go practical tip two. I'm not sure this is a perfect book. Um, high bar. Very few are. That's that's the Midwestern me saying. <laughs> there could be a better version of this book, but I don't think a better version of book of this exists. So okay. this is what I'm going to recommend. This might be better as a recommendation, and it's going to go in my file for moms, dads, and grad season. Um, and I don't think I talked to you about this. Did you happen to come across Building a Second Brain by Tiago Forte in no. your year Mm-mm. at all? Have you heard of this one? So it's basically that part of David Allen where it's like you need a trusted system, uh-huh. right? It's like here... And it's the whole thing, but it's more talking digitally, how to do that digitally. I think this is good for someone. You've got a, a new, any kind of knowledge worker could think about this. How, how do you collect and organize the information you want to collect and organize in a digital way? Why it matters, how hard it is to do, why we shouldn't use our meat brains for remembering and organizing. <laughs> oh, our meat brains are for thinking and analyzing, right? Um, and we have lots of interesting ways, but to think, you know, and, and I read some of the other reviews of this and like, it could have been a blog post, and I was like, welcome to business books. I'm sorry. That's just usually how it could be. I kind of agree with that. But on the other hand, there, I think I'm coming around. Hot take, as I previewed the other day. Maybe I'm more in favor of the um, fluffed up blog post business book than I thought because part of what the, long, the longer time spending with it means you have to dwell more in the questions and ideas that something is trying to. You could read a blog post that says you should take notes. Does that do the same thing as a chapter with examples and stats and everything else? I actually don't think it does, Rebecca. And there's there's various versions of this, but you hear what I'm saying about that? Yeah. Like, I think there is some time, like, I'm kind of dedicating some time to dwelling with this question, even if this paragraph or this example is just one more in a pile of examples. But at least I'm spending some more time here. Um, I think it's really good. I think it's very useful. Is it as life-changing as 4,000 weeks? No. Except that maybe it is, and you just don't realize it's not. You're gonna have, not gonna have epiphany moments. Mm. But if you think about organizing your life differently, um, I know getting things done by David Allen was important to you and I. I think yep. both both the book itself, but the way of thinking about our work and what we do and how to do things is really interesting. And this is kind of the. I almost wish this is two long chapters at the end of getting things done. Maybe for me personally, then I have it all in one. But I think you've got a, a someone going their first semester of college, they're in they're going to university, or someone you know struggles with productivity, someone has a million tabs open all the time, you know who you are, get it for yourself. I think this is a good practical one. If you if you like someone in your life, they don't even have to like reading necessarily to like this kind of a book. Mm-hmm. And I know that we don't want to like make people read that don't want to read. 
But this is a different kind of use case of books. And I think someone would be very interested as a, we're all wrestling with this, right? Of where to put all this stuff and how to think about how to make sense of this. Maybe you don't like the project-driven model as much as Tiago Forte does. And I I don't, I, I think this makes a, thinking about things you're doing in terms of projects makes a huge difference for me. Um, the, the example I used, put up the Christmas tree is not a task. Mm-hmm. That is a project, right? I got to go get the tree. I got to get the stand out. I got to move all the furniture around. I got to make sure there's a time when Michelle is around so she can help me. And then I got to make sure I'm going to water it. And like that's that's like a whole project. And you could put that as put up the Christmas tree, but it makes it easier to think of it as a project. You can break it down where you don't put that information. That's just one by itself. But I liked it. Um, I wish there were more different ways of thinking about this, but this is the one. So that's the one I'm recommending. That's Building a Second Brain by Tiago Forte. I believe that's how you say the name. I couldn't find a pronunciation. There you go. I like that. And I do think I agree with your hot take there for the most part about that Mm. kind of business or self-help book. Like most of these are things that could be summed up in a long article and you could know it intellectually then, but I do think the book gives you space to cross the gap from knowing it's true to feeling that it's true. And it's the feeling that it's true that I think moves us to do something differently, to change our behavior, update the mental model and actually like start breaking out all the steps Mm -hmm. that it takes to put the Christmas tree up or like the one in my life right now, very pressingly is figure out Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, Yes. (laughs) How many people are coming? Were there dietary restrictions? Exactly. What time are we going to eat? All right. That stuff and then, like, it. how many grocery trips and for which items? And how, when is stuff going in the oven? And how many things need to go in the oven? And do we have snacks? All those pieces. Um, and having a model for that is super helpful. I will have to check that out. Um, interesting that most of this list, actually, all of this list so far, is nonfiction. Well, I'm saving my fiction for the end, okay. I guess. Just kind of the, how we... Yeah, how we, we started. We blew up a little bit. I Well, I guess let's pause on that. Do you think, in general, nonfiction is more giftable than fiction? Yes, I do. Yeah, I think... I think you're probably... And why is that? There's so much, like, personal interest and taste and preference that yeah. goes into the fiction that people read and... Like folks who read fiction or who read a ton of books, I think, tend to veer towards Mm -hmm. reading a lot of fiction. It can be a harder thing to guess. Have they read this or not? This is a, I think nonfiction is a little bit more of a straightforward, like, I know that you're interested in this thing. Here's a book about it. Um, When I was starting socks of books, everyone (laughs) needs socks. Right. People like socks. Yeah. These are fun socks. They're useful. A really great dress, if you get it right, is great, but it's hard to buy someone a dress for them. And I think fiction is a little bit more like that. It's tough. Um, Thinking about fiction for the year, I did land on, I think, a couple novels. Maybe, I think the most giftable novel that I read this year, even though it did not end up being my favorite, but I do mm. think it's widely giftable, is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle. Really? Traitor. I do. No, I, I kind of, I know what you're saying. I, I, I don't well, disagree also, with you. I didn't pick it, but be, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, we seem minority. to be weirdos in our, we are in the minority opinion on that yeah. book. And we didn't, neither of us disliked it, but no. I think we landed in the place of being kind of whelmed by it. Mm. Um, and there were a lot of folks just raving about it. It's on many of the best books of the year lists. So take all of that for what it's worth. But kind of a similar reader to the 90s reader for Klosterman, I think, but applicable to younger folks as well, because it's about video games, but it's really about 
making something like what it feels like to be really invested in making something whether that's in their case it's the two characters making a video game together but if you've been super invested in a project or a job or some idea that you are trying to bring into fruition in the world like you can relate to these characters i loved that for most of the book it focused it was a platonic relationship between male and female characters that had a business and creative partnership with each other we don't get a lot of that and it is really absorbing gabrielle zevin's writing moves the book went quickly i've like sank right into it and felt the whole world we had you and I both had quibbles about like some of the plot choices and and some of the stuff that happens near the end um but I do think it's pretty widely giftable my other one was lessons in chemistry but that book you got to give a there's surprise rape in that book yeah we got to talk we're going to talk about on the regular show because a news came out about... I'm not going to spoil I don't want to mess up the shows. We don't oh, okay. know how to do bonus episodes because we're going to start talking about <laughs> things that get taken off the agenda. Yeah, I can see... I would have made this... Between the two, I definitely would pick Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Um, we both said it and we did a special... Was that a Patreon episode or was that yes, a Yes, that was a Patreon yeah. episode. We both did start by saying we sank into this and blew through it. Mm-hmm. And I think from a gifting point of view, that's job one. Yep. Is that the turning the pages is not going to be anything like a a chore to do because that's like giving someone a mind pet (laughs) is to give them a book that's going to be a chore that's not what you want right you gotta you gotta feed that dog you gotta you gotta take that dog out you don't give people dogs or gifts and you don't give people to paradise by Hanya Yanagihara (laughs) as much as I want might want to but I'm not going to do it because I'm a human and I know things about other people and how they work um so I think I'm going to go slightly um, snobbier with my okay. general fiction pick because I find myself this is the kind of book I'm going to recommend most because a lot of people that ask me personally for recommendations I think they're coming to me because they want something that a former English professor is going to recommend to them that's fair I think mm-hmm. but I also don't want to make it a slog so I think Sea of Tranquility is the first club I'm pulling out of my bag it's a good this one. year I think that's what people are looking for when they're asking me for a recommendation now again depending on who you're buying for are they a former English minor? You know, that kind of thing? That's Sea yeah. of Tranquility. If they kind of are a more general reader, I think you go to tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. You could even go more general than that, maybe even Mystery Thriller, which is going to be my last pick here in a minute, or I'm going to smuggle two in at the end, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> to do. But Sea of Tranquility, here's the thing. It's it's pretty short. It's enveloping. It has a not a puzzle element, but the way the pieces fit together, extremely satisfying for a certain kind of mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll put mine in there. And it's beautifully written, and it's going to be made into something, and that person's going to be able to say in three years, oh, I read that book, Yeah, which everyone likes to do that, especially kind of a more lay of a reader. Um, so, and it's good. And I, maybe that's the thing. It's good. I, hmm, I, I haven't got into this yet. If, if I'm going to do my 10 favorite novels of the year, it's in the conversation, at least. Mm-hmm. What I am looking for a novel to do is not necessarily what Sea of Tranquility does, but it does what it does so well, but I can't help but like it. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, my other like kind of contender for a big fiction, but it's a, this is a big book and it's hard to gift somebody a 500 yeah. page book. But I really think point. there are great readers for Small World by Jonathan Evison. And it has that same thing that you were talking yeah. about from Sea of Tranquility, where a bunch of threads come together and the pieces click in a really satisfying way. So I that didn't make my mm-hmm. this is my top five, but there are 
readers in my life that that would be the book for. And it touches on big questions about America's history, big problems with America's history and how the country was founded. It has a little bit of a political angle, but feels like it, it felt to me like an artist doing the things we want artists to do with those questions of showing the story and letting it speak for itself. It, it wasn't like a, a big bang you over the head with its political perspective novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a contender. Can I sneak one last one in? I think I've done. Yeah, I got it. Well, I might have one last category. I'm not going to pick one thing. <laughs> okay. That. Yeah. What's your one last category? Well, a lot of people like to read mystery and thrillers. Mm, yeah. And you know, a lot of people of us have people in our life that read mystery and thrillers and they tend to read a lot of them, but they also appreciate them. And mystery and thriller writers, like most people, aren't maybe as up on front list. So you could recommend something relatively new and there's a fairly good chance they haven't gotten it for them. So that's my last category. So you go mm. first and I'll do mine. Okay. My last one is Left on Tenth by Delia Efron for everyone. <laughs> Really? So I think that's a tough hang. Talk to me about how you got yourself there. Well, I, I didn't find it to be a tough hang. It, like it's, I thought it was so you mean lovely. all the almost dying and and please murder me because I'm in so much pain. That wasn't tough for you? God, you are t- you're a tough lady. I knew that, but boy. <laughs> well, it's not like when breath becomes air. I don't know. It's, well, that's I a it- high bar, Rebecca. <laughs> that's like, well, it's not Schindler's List. Okay, okay, great. So for those who didn't listen to us rhapsodize about yeah. Left on Tenth for all of the first quarter of the year, it's <laughs> Del- Delia Efron's memoir about falling in love later in life. Um, that her first her first partner had died. Is that right? And mm-hmm. she lifelong meets- love, wonderful, yes, right. everything's great, wonderful relationship um, ends after decades when he passes away she meets a man who is in a similar situation and they have this surprise really big beautiful love story very late in Mm -hmm. life and so it has the complications and difficulties that come with being a person in your late 70s or early 80s there are health scares there's all sorts of tangly you got like 80 years of personal history to unwind and and unpack with a person and to unpack theirs and try to see them as this full human and understand them but i thought it was just so affirming of like, yes, all of this is hard. Yes, I've watched one partner die. And now I love this person and he may be dying as well. Or maybe I will be dying. Maybe we will. Who's gonna one of us is gonna die first. And that is very present at that age. But the way that she just looks at it and is like, yes, this is true. Um, We will be facing this. This is life. And all this Mm -hmm. big, this big experience, this big, beautiful love is worth that pain, you're going to have the pain anyway. So you might as well, you know, have these big, wonderful experiences too. I wouldn't give it to everybody. Like maybe I wouldn't give it to, I don't know, my mother-in-law who's approaching 80. <laughs> that's what, I mean, talk about memento mori, baby. I mean, that is that's, tough. that's a move. That would be a move like the person I'm still mad at 15 years later who gave me the year of magical thinking right before my wedding. <laughs> No, you can't. No. Do, what are we you doing cannot here? do that to people. But it's it's wonderful. Um, I, I like I, the book. I'm, yeah, I just don't know. If I, I think can, it's giftable. And I could, you could gift it the right person. Yeah. but I'm falling more in towards the the wreck show where you need a little you need a little I don't right. know, surface area to it. Uh, it's your pick. Uh, it's a wonderful book. I'm glad <laughs> to have any reason to talk about it. Um, but it is very sad. 
Uh, did you do? On, you didn't do an audio. I did I do it on audio. audio. Oh. Yeah, she's, I she's almost crying, Rebecca, when she says she's they're all going to die. I mean, that's I know, but it's, it's. I don't know, Jeff. It was beautiful. Okay. I didn't find it to be sad. I found it yeah. to be really affirming. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's affirming and sad. That can be both things. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, people like mystery thrillers. Here are the couple that I really liked. I'm going to do three. This is such cheating crap. I for mean, me, but you know just what? Go no for one it. cares. <laughs> Um, this was one of the it books of the first quarter of the year, and I think there. This is one where I did go, God help me, look at the Goodreads reviews, um, and I'll tell you why. Because the main character in this book, it's called the Maid by Nita Prowse, if I haven't said it already, I can't remember, is maybe neurodivergent, but it's not really talked about or named as such. Mm. But I think that's probably what it is. And this is not an area of expertise for me in terms of representation and experience. And it seems like there are some people, it goes back and forth about that. So that's just something to know. But having said that, it was one of the first books I blew through at the beginning of the year. It was really interesting. It has a, as these things, a good mystery really kind of needs something unexpected to happen at some point. Like you kind of feel like you know what's happening and then it doesn't and something else does. It has that. And I thought it was good. And I think someone who likes mystery thrillers Again, if they have a lot of experience with neurodivergent people in their lives, maybe shy away from this because they may have a stronger flavor. Mm-hmm. From my point, from some people that I seem like they know what they're talking about, said that there's a way in which this is very interesting kind of a representation. It shouldn't be taken as everyone's experience, like anyone shouldn't. It's also a mystery thriller, and some stuff that wouldn't happen in real life does happen because that's a mystery thriller genre by itself. So... With those caveats in mind, I think this would be a good day after Christmas, hot cup of cocoa, read it in one sitting kind of book. And that's kind of what I want to give if I'm giving mystery thrillers, um, frankly, this time of year. The other one I've mentioned before that's on that tip, Mouth to Mouth by Antoine Wilson. It's a great plain read, very suspenseful. I thought it was good. Just a just a razor sharp knife of a book um, that does a lot of what I want to do. And then if someone is ready for a little more if you like a little more serial killer in the mix when it comes to your mystery thrills, okay. notes on an execution, which was pretty amazing, um, I have to say. And that book got talked about a lot in the beginning of the year, but it's not talked about as much right now. And I don't know. It's by Danya Kuka, uh, Kukakafka. Kukafka. Sorry, I'm having a hard time with all those Ks in a row with my Midwestern mouth. And this one, it's is it a mystery thriller? Um yeah, it's a serial killer, though you find out pretty soon what happened, but then how and why and how people deal with it. The thing that really struck me about this is that the victims are centered here. Like you get mm. long chapters about the victims of this, and the killer himself is gets their own POV, but you get the family members, you get their own experience with the people this happened to, you get the... Um, detectives and there's the detective is a woman and it's just it feels like an evolved version of a book you've read before and people are serial killers are interesting and how they did it and why they do it but also really looking at you know who was the girl at the kitchen counter what was her story what was the long effect of this happening um i was pretty mesmerized by it it disturbed so having said that you know i'm recommending a book about serial killers just after giving you grief about left on seth i realized the hypocrisy there (laughs) But if you realize the hypocrisy, Rebecca, you get away with it. Isn't that how it works? I think You're that's not, how it's supposed um, to work. Jeff, 
I knew you were an insightful human, but now I really yes. know. <laughs> yeah, now, now you know. Uh, so that's notes on an execution. Again, if someone really doesn't mind, if they like creepy, disturbing, that would be. this is as creepy as disturbing as I can go. Let's put it that way. It looks like this was pretty popular, um, maybe more popular than The Maid. I'm just trying to get some sense of like, how many people have read these books? Which mm. luckily, well, luckily we have all the sales data at our disposal at all times. So we can just, <laughs> and we can totally just directly. totally transparent and easy yeah. to interpret. Yeah. <laughs> so those are my picks. Oh, no, The Maid was way more popular. Okay. Oh, okay. Way more popular. So there you go. Um, those are my five slash eight. Yeah, fair enough. Anything else my... you want to shout out? Anything you wish had you had more? How about this? I'll throw this at you quickly. Anything you, had, you wish you had more occasions to recommend? Ooh, that's a great question. Now, I feel like I got to find my reading list. Yeah, <laughs> list I know. Now, now. We, we, we do that. Um, <laughs> the one this. I was thinking about. Oh, go ahead. Did you have something come off the top of your mind? No, no. Keep. Please vamp for me for a minute so I can contemplate. <sighs> We did get one recommendation request for someone who's like, I love To Paradise by Hanya Yanagihara, which yeah, I a, saw that. let's go us. <laughs> I wish I had more occasions to recommend To Paradise. I think it's underrated, as you know. It kind of has gotten mm-hmm. lost in the year. I need, I don't know who I need. I don't know who can tell me, what book can someone tell me they liked? I'm not, I'm having a little hard time finding purchase to, to recommend yeah. it off of. I wish, hmm. I think the small, weird, quiet novel is always something Yeah, I wish tough. I could recommend more often. And this year it would be Joan is Okay and The Swimmers. I wish that I could give <sighs> those, that I had way. more reasons to give those. We recommend yeah. them to ourselves, Rebecca. That's who we recommend those books to. One of us reads one of those <laughs> like, you know what? I found one. That's why we have this I got podcast. one on the line, Shinsky. I got one. I'm reeling it in. Get the net out. Right. In a year where there's not a Jenny Awful book, something has to stand in that space of little weird, unsettling novel. This year for me, it was those two. I kind of wish another shared passion of ours is the New Yorker writer memoir. Oh, yeah. We had three of them this year. Yeah, I know, but none of them were recommend. We're not recommending any of them because, and, and, and we know why that is. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's you gotta like somebody, sentences. You gotta like yeah, sentences. You gotta like sentences. And I like if you like sentences, see. I'm giving you Tad Friend. I'm giving yeah. you that if you like sentences. And I have recommended. If you like vibes, I'm giving you Stay True. Yeah, I have recommended the Tad yeah. Friend to one person in person that I know mm. will get that. You know, it's juicy. And I've the aspirationally are and maybe recklessly recommended Solito to a few people, Javier Zamora, mm. without maybe enough. Well, because it worked on me. I downloaded it as you were talking about it yeah. the day that you, you had know. it in front list foyer. And I don't know, I'm yeah. in the middle. I'm almost done, actually, with the new mm. Kevin Wilson. Now is not the time to yeah. panic. And I think that it that might end up being something that's widely recommendable. But it's weird in a way that I wish I had more opportunities to yeah. recommend also. Pretty good, yeah. So, Not in conclusion, <laughs> do people give celebrity memoirs? It's kind of an interesting oh. year for celebrity memoirs, but I, this is not something I do typically. No. Because you you shouted out the Math Perry to me, but are, that's that was, that's kind of like the '90s by Clusterman in terms of interest for people. Yeah, really, but, the only one that I was thinking about. I don't think it's 
a top five easy gift book. Mm-hmm. It's not like a Swiss army. But if you had somebody in your life this year that got super excited about The Woman King, Viola Davis's memoir is wonderful. Right. I know a lot of people like The Office BFFs. That's about The Office by mm-hmm. the, the women who played Angela and Pam. I don't know their names. I'm sorry. Yeah. That book sold a ton. And I know people love that show. That's probably a good gift book if you have an Office fan of your life. In fact, that's true. That w- yeah. If you have an Office, I mean, that, now we're getting more specific. Though a lot of people like The Office. Um, see if Tranquil. Yeah, I think that's pretty much. I think that's pretty much my list. Yeah, so, so. just totally unloaded hardcover copies. If I'm glad my mom died for everybody, <laughs> that's where we're going. <laughs> Merry Christmas, mom. <laughs> It's a hang Ooh. that book. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get there. I think that's a subject of a future episode. <laughs> I guess. Um, all right. All right. Well, thanks, Rebecca. Thank As you. always, shoot us an email podcast at bookriot.com. You can find show notes bookriot.com slash listen. Uh, and we're gonna be back at a, with a regularly scheduled programming Monday, late Sunday, Monday night, yeah. as per usual. Go check out the Patreon. We're doing, I guess we can, this is a good place to to shout it out. We are going to do the books we missed this year mm-hmm. coming up in the future on the Patreon. So we both had really good reading years, a lot of stuff we liked. But as always, our TBF doth extendeth our reach. Um, and we're going to talk about the ones that we're sad we missed. Maybe we'll get to, and maybe we should just finally close that tab because we're actually <laughs> never going to make that soup recipe. And it's just time to let it go. Time to let it go. Talk to you later. Have a good one.